Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. As you may have figured out from the title, my name is Simon Miller and this is a pro wrestling podcast. Now I'm very excited about today's episode. As you may have seen from the title, we do have former WWE announcer Justin Roberts on the show. He's going to talk about obviously his new book that um, caused a lot of chatter a few weeks ago, but it's out today in the UK. You can get it from Amazon and all good all good book retailers. It's just called the it's just called Best Seat in the House by Justin Roberts. I actually imported it a few weeks ago when all the uh, the mentioned chatter was going on, and it is a really fascinating read. And as we talk about with uh, with Justin in the interview. I think what I really enjoyed about it was just the fact that I never thought about it from a ring announcer's perspective. And I don't think many of us do. You know, when you think about pro wrestling and travel and all of that, your, your initial thought is the, is the wrestlers themselves. Which I guess was kind of the point the Ultimate Warrior was getting at when he talked about the Warrior Award at the Hall of Fame a few years ago. Is that it would be nice if WWE kind of did shine a light on... I know he was talking about more behind the stage scenes people. But you know, people like Justin Roberts, they, they performed a service and they were very good at what they did. So, you know... They they suffer the same stresses and and struggles as everybody else. And as Justin said, as you'll hear, uh, it's different because he's not getting his you know he's not getting beaten up week in week out. But still, I thought uh, I thought it was a fascinating a fascinating look into the world of WWE. Before we get into the interview, just the usual quick plugs. One big thing I do want to say at the start of this show is thank you so much to everyone that left an iTunes review and a rating this week. If you do have a couple of minutes, if you can go and do that, I cannot tell you how much it helps the show. Every time we see an uplift there, you see numbers go up, more people hear this show, and if we could turn this into a lovely little slash big community, I would be a very, very happy man. And also, so many people supported the Patreon, just patreon.com forward slash Simon316. And not only does the video game podcast launch this week, and keep an eye out for that, it's going to be called This Week in Gaming. It's a little bit different, a little bit satirical. Try to keep it, you know, a, a bit more fun and different. So it's not just my voice you're hearing a few times a week. But we also hit the milestone for the Ask Us Anything podcast, which is literally a podcast where you email askusanythingpodcast at gmail.com or you go to Ask Us Podcast on Twitter and send a message and me and a co-host will answer anything. And I don't just mean like, you know, serious questions. I mean anything. If you want to write something, we'll answer it. I'm obviously on Twitter at Simon316. Please join the pro wrestling group, Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just type that into Facebook. I think that's everything. I usually miss something, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Thank you very much for, for staying the course with me. I do appreciate it. But for now, here is your man, the one and only, Justin Roberts. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you very much, man. How are you? Good. Good, thank you. Well, I want to thank Busy you very... Good, I'm glad. I want to thank you very much for your time. Like, it's, uh, it really means a lot yep. for me coming on. I, I imported your book because <laughs> I just... Uh, okay. I, know, I, was, I was just fascinated by your story. And obviously then, it, you know, it kind of... It gained a lot of traction very quickly. So right. I, I kind of got taken in by it. And I read through it and I just... I genuinely thought, you know... I'm so used to reading kind of the perspective from a from a, a pro wrestler. They're getting to actually read it from someone, you know, from an announcer's point of view. I thought it was fascinating. And I thought it was such a good idea for you to write it because, you know, bef- before you did, I don't think it's something I ever would have predicted you would have done. But, you know, going, getting to sort of understand your, your perspective on the wrestling business and WWE especially, I thought it was fascinating. 
Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. That was the, uh, another reason for it. I thought I had a cool story, thought I had a cool perspective. So I um, just wanted to share it. Just like I tried to take everybody on the adventures with me when I was on the road, I would always tweet and Instagram and just let everybody be on that adventure with me. And when it was done, it's like, why not show everybody uh, what I couldn't say back then and just put everything out there? I think that's really fair as well, because, you know, especially from a fan's perspective, I think a lot of us, you know, you always hear about the, the so again, the wrestlers talking about the, how hard the travel is and how hard the schedule can be. But you never, it never sort of springs out that, of course, everybody involved with the WWE is doing that schedule. You know, that is, that is your life. Right. I mean, how did you find sort of being on the road all the time? How did I find it? It was, it was hard. I mean, you, uh, you're on the road. All, all the time you live in a bubble and uh that's all you have time for and that's all you know and um it just it's very time consuming and uh, that's your life there's really no much no time for anything outside of that so it's it's definitely difficult being on the road just being away and you're in this bubble and you're constantly traveling and not only uh, are you constantly traveling, but you're also running into issues, you know, flights get canceled, flights get delayed, and you still have to make it to the next town. There could be a snowstorm, there could be uh, a hurricane, there could be a thunderstorm. I mean, you just, you have to make it to the next town, so it doesn't matter what's going on. So it's it's not always easy, especially when you're doing it that much, you're going to run into problems. It's just, you're constantly on the go and constantly away. Absolutely. How, how do you even prepare for something like that? Because something that's always fascinated me is I can imagine once you, you know, obviously you, 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 work, um, you work your way up the ladder, then you get to WWE and all of a sudden it's this, it's this huge shift. I mean, how on earth do you know how to get, you know, connecting flights and who to contact about travel problems? Or is it just like a learning on the go kind of a thing? It's a learning on the go thing. I mean, as you go, that's why it's hard to fly like now just normally, because as soon as they say, oh, we're going to be delayed just a half hour. You know that you're going to be delayed again after that. So normally when you hear that, you've been around long enough to know that once it gets delayed once, it's probably going to get delayed again and delayed again. They're going to cancel your flight. So you have to be on top of it. And um, it just comes from getting screwed over so many times by the airlines <laughs> that uh, eventually you just know like, okay, that's not the truth. Absolutely. And it must be hard, though, as well. Obviously, you get to the arena. And then as soon as you kind of walk through that curtain, you've got to be on, as they say, you know, you've got to you've got to be entertaining the fans. I mean, if you've just gone through all that kind of travel hell, how do you just or is that just something that's innate in you? As soon as you go out there and you feel that energy, you can just perform no matter what's happened beforehand. It's funny. Uh, I think I even talk about it in the book. We had a show in Toronto and um, for some reason didn't get on that direct and uh, flew from Phoenix to Chicago, Chicago to Toronto. And uh, our flight was canceled. Uh, Dolph was with me on that when we were both coming from Phoenix. And our flight out of Chicago was canceled. So as soon as that happened, I found out when we landed, called the office, and they got us on a different flight, Chicago to Toronto. And once we got in, um, we were going to be late. And uh, there's, we were running late already. And there was traffic all the way from the airport in Toronto to the arena downtown. And I was texting with the producer who was Fit Finley that night and just like, there's no way we're going to make it. Uh, I don't know what to do. And as we got a little bit closer, uh, we started moving a little bit. And um, I said, I, I think we're going to be OK. We're probably just going to be a little bit late. Kept making it through. And we got to the point where we started cruising towards the end. And I said, hey, it's actually looking pretty good. 
he goes, uh, I'm going to start the show five minutes late. So you've got <laughs> five extra minutes. So we got to the arena, literally ran in, threw my bag into a locker room, pulled the suit out, put the suit on, um, asked, I think, what the first match was, or maybe I got the lineup and took the lineup, um, or at least the information of who was in the first match, and ran to the ring. The music started. Uh, I had not talked to anybody. I didn't get any direction on what was going on. It was just the house show, so it wasn't like it was TV. And I uh, just went out there and went through the motions. And um, that had happened in the past as well. You know, you you do this every night, and you just you could get it done. So uh, you go out there, good evening, welcome, blah, blah, blah. And you go to the first match, and you just kind of roll with the punches. And uh, it, it's not... It's not something new each night. It's basically the same thing. It's just a different match order, different guys. But um, I had it down. I had it down to a science. So uh, by that point, it was it was pretty easy. There was a lot of times, like even if we got there late as a group, if we were overseas and we were running late, you just get in and, and you go with it because there's no there's no waiting. The show must go on. So you just uh, you make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And something I did want to talk to you about as well. I think it's a skill that a lot of people, I mean, you know, ring announcing is a skill in itself. I gave it a go on sort of a local show around here last year. And I kind of, when they gave me the amount of information that, obviously I had them on cue cards hidden in my hand, but even then I was very intimidated because I was like, you know, you want to make sure you give the, the, the wrestlers like a, a good entrance and make them feel special. But I was yeah. so concerned about the, the information. How do you keep all of that in your head? And that's not even like there's so much more to it than just doing the ring introduction. You know, there's there's so many different announcements that you might have. And um, there's so many other things that go into it that uh, it, you just you have a lot of information. And at WWE, you weren't allowed to use note cards. So oh, man. memorizing all this information uh, on top of a match that might have this is a beat the clock challenge match where the winner will go on to no way out to face the winner of the whatever championship in a number one contenders match for whatever. And once you get all that out there, then it's introducing first from wherever, Wayne, whatever he is, the whatever champion here's whatever. So there's a lot of information to get out there. And, um, I don't know. I, I don't like memorizing things, but, <laughs> I had a lot to memorize and it was usually a weekly thing, especially like when we had the guest hosts on Monday night raw, please welcome the Grammy nominee. Who's hosted this. Who's done this. Who's done that. Here's whoever. So there's always a lot to memorize. And, um, on top of that, you also have to sound good when you're saying it. Yeah. Like I always said, if I had note cards, my announcing would probably sound so much better because I wasn't so focused on remembering what I had memorized, but I'd actually be able to make sure it sounded good. Absolutely. And did you ever have sort of times when you went to announce something and your brain just went, nope, I can't remember what oh, I'm yeah. supposed to say. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of times because I, I always say like there were many times I didn't know what we were doing on Monday Night Raw, like the show would be written as we did it. And nobody would keep me in the loop. So I didn't know what was going on. But I had to keep all this information in the back of my mind of what it could be. So uh, you just, you never knew. And sometimes somebody would walk out and all of a sudden you'd be like, wait. Like somebody who you saw every day, who you knew. But sometimes your mind would just go blank and be like, wait, I can't think of his name right now. Because you're thinking about so many other things. Yeah. Uh, and 
you're just not focused on the easy stuff because you're focusing on some of the harder stuff. So then when somebody comes out, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't think of his name. Um, so yeah, that, that happened a couple times where just you get that, that block and then uh, your stomach kind of drops and then hopefully it comes to you. There's only one night, like we were doing a house show in North Carolina, been flying all day to get there, got there, was half asleep, did the show, I think it was maybe Fayetteville. And um, at the end of the show, I always said, hey, we look forward to returning to whatever town we were in in the very near future. And as I was making that announcement, I couldn't remember where I flew into or where <laughs> I flew in and drove to, whatever. I had no idea what town we were in. And as I was making the goodnight announcement, I'm stressing this the whole time, knowing that we're almost at the part where I say the town's name and I don't have a second to think about where I was because I was making the announcement already. And uh, the referee was outside of the ring, so I couldn't say, hey, where are we? Um, <laughs> and then as we got to it, it j I just said, we definitely look forward to returning right here in the very near future. <laughs> That's great. That was the only time that happened, luckily. I guess but, yeah, it's a combination of pressure, um, no sleep, just being on the go, just it, uh, it adds up. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not easy, but it's easier than getting in the ring and wrestling and getting beat up. Those guys work very hard. The utmost respect for all the guys and girls that do that because that is hard work. Absolutely. And was that ever the dream? Was the dream ever to be, did you want to be in the ring and then you just thought, I'm actually, you know, I'm drawn to announcing or was ring announcing always your thing? When I was in high school, you know, I was probably in junior high and high school. Like, I'd love to be a wrestler. You go out there and you play make-believe and pretend to beat each other up, and it's easy. And then as I got a little bit older and wiser, I realized, like, oh, it's it's not easy, and it's <laughs> it's not like that, and uh, it's not, you know, a trampoline. It's, uh, it's those guys are beating each other up, and that's a lot of hard work. Absolutely. And so was it, how did you, I mean, obviously, because I imagine the dream was to get to WWE from a young age. So, you know, there, there is, I imagine, well, there are, there are dozens of, if not hundreds of different ways to get in. So what is it about ring announcing that really appealed to you? It just seemed like the right way um, to get in as a wrestler. You had to go to wrestling school to be a manager. I knew there was more to it. You couldn't just go stand at the ring and be a manager. And I didn't know how to do any of that. And, um, you know, the internet wasn't around when I was looking to get into wrestling in 1996. Yeah. But I, um, I figured I could do this announcing voice. Maybe I could be a ring announcer. And the stars <laughs> aligned. My buddy was going to be announcing on a show. And uh, I knew some other guys who were affiliated with the show and the promoter. And they helped me out and uh, got me onto the show to do one match, which turned into two matches. And then uh, before I knew it, I was like, I was the ring announcer, so it was perfect. Because I always liked hosting things, and um, I always liked to be on a microphone since I was a kid. So it just worked out naturally. And and as a wrestling fan, it just it worked out perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you, you talk about it in, in the book as well, which is Best Seat in the House, by the way, which is actually out when this airs today in the UK. Uh, and you mentioned sort of how you – much like um, – you know, kind of a wrestler does as well. You kind of start in the, as they say, indie ranks and you and you work your way up. Yeah, for but, sure. But how, so how do you even, because obviously nowadays it's completely different because, you know, you make a, you make, if you want to be a wrestler in WWE, you make a name for yourself and then the internet has some buzz about you and then, you know, that's, it kind of builds up and you have people out there right. looking. From a ring announcer point of view though, obviously there's somebody employed at WWE to say, look, you've got to get the ring announcers in. But what do you have to do to make sure you stand out? Because I imagine that's still hotly competitive. 
Well, back then, there was never any opening for it. There was never a spot for a ring announcer. It was always somebody who came around to do something else, and they just said, uh, you're going to be a ring announcer. <laughs> so there was never an actual ring announcer, somebody who came and said, hey, I'm a ring announcer, and this is what I want to do. So by the time that I started sending videotapes and resumes, I was a ring announcer because I was working independence. I was doing Tough Man, the boxing show on the FX network in the U.S. Um, I was ring announcing anything I could in hopes of getting to WWE. And I was just making them crazy. I was sending them videotapes and resumes all the time. And by the time that I graduated college, it had gotten to the point where they were familiar with me because I was very persistent. And I tell the story about how I ran into Kevin Dunn and introduced myself and he had known of me from everything that I'd been sending out and probably making them crazy. Um, <laughs> and so by that point, I had worked so hard to just get my foot in the door. I just wanted to get that tryout. They said, all right, there was a, there was a spot, not really a spot, but Tony Chimmel, I think had been wanting to take a vacation. And I think they realized they needed somebody to cover. And they said, Oh, maybe we'll give this kid a shot. So, um, I had sent an email right when I graduated college and just said, Hey, graduated college and I'm available now and got a call the next day. Wow. That's not so bad, right? It's pretty good turnaround. Not at all. It was awesome. And when you're there as well, I know you, I know you talk about this and, and you mentioned it elsewhere as well. Obviously, once you're, you're through the door, it's not like you, uh, you turn up for each show and you do the ring announce and you go home. I mean, they, you do a lot when you were there. I mean, you had about six or seven jobs or something like that. Um, no, no, I, I was just the ring announcer. That was, that was my, uh, my job. Um, I didn't really have any other responsibilities. Um, as time went on, I started to become more involved and maybe that's what I read then. Yeah. More, but it, it was never, the job title was always ring announcer. Yeah, what other kind of stuff did you start getting involved with? Because I know, I think, if I remember, I read the book a few weeks ago now, You, you there was one point when you were kind of on the cuffs of getting a lot more involved in the production and almost the creative side as well, or you wanted to be at least, because you were taking notes from ringside and whatnot. Yeah, there was, um, there was a time when Vince and Kevin had talked and uh, they offered me to do something else and gave me the world. What else do you want to do? Do you want to work in creative? Do you want to work in talent relations? Do you... And I said, let me let me get back to you. And I kind of put together this job that didn't exist, that covered a lot of different ground. And um, and they never got back to me on that. So then it kind of got dropped. And then they came up with a position for a live event producer, somebody who would oversee the live events. And I was at every single house show, every TV, every pay-per-view. And not only was I at each one, but I was at ringside and watched the show from beginning to end. And I was the only one who was out who's on every show and out there like that for every show. So I said, guys, um, I'm, I'm the perfect guy for this. Um, like I, I, I know wrestling, I know production. I know what's broken on our shows and how to fix it. I know yeah. what feels strange sitting at ringside as a fan. Uh, like, let me let me take the spot. I, I get it. And uh, as you see in the book, I tell the story about all the channels that I went through and, you know, really fought to make it happen. And uh, they ended up bringing in two guys from the outside world who didn't know anything about wrestling or running a wrestling show to run a wrestling show. Mm. And uh, that's what happened. Then started dealing with politics on house shows, just like we had a TV. So um, it, it was rough, but. I would still work with the producers and say, hey, I know the plan is to do this, but what if we do this and do that? And, uh, and it usually worked out. I got to work with like Arn Anderson and uh, Dean Malenko and Fit Finley and 
just putting the show together with those guys, it, uh, it was really cool. And we worked well together. And, um, even with like helping guys with their promos, there were times where I was in the ring and guys were cutting promos and sometimes they would get lost or like, I would just be able to feel their promo and like know where it could be going. And sometimes I would just like under my breath, say a line that I was feeling. And if the guy heard that and agreed, he would repeat the line and <laughs> it would help him with his promo. So I really enjoyed that because uh, as a lifelong wrestling fan and then somebody who had been around for a long time and been at all the shows, you just, you get it and you could really feel it. And um, that's why I wanted to be, uh, you know, producing. Absolutely. And you mentioned as well, just then as well, that you could, you know, experiencing every show, you could see where the, where, where the product could be better. I mean, in general, what, what do you think, uh, if not the WWE, but all of pro wrestling could be, be doing better in 2017? Um, yeah, it's, uh, you just, you look at the characters and it's not like the characters that, that I watched growing up because they really put everything into those characters and they built those guys up and they let them get over. And now, and, and I never say it's, it's on the talent because it's not, it's, I, I always say that there's a glass ceiling and it's a real thing. And it is, um, there's a lot of guys who are really good, but the company won't let them run. So the characters aren't getting built up the way they should. The storylines are coming together. You could tell that these shows are being written as they go. It's just, it doesn't make sense. There's nothing compelling. Uh, or if there is, it's very rare. You know, how often do you end a show and say, ah, oh, I, I wish it didn't end and I, I can't wait till next week to see yeah. more. You don't. It's just like they're trying to fill the time and just throwing stuff together. And uh, it's, it's just the storylines and the characters aren't, what they used to be so uh that's that's what i think is missing and again i don't blame talent i don't blame um creative i don't blame the writers i blame the guys at the top who are making the decisions because i think it's it's on them yeah no i, I think i think most people would agree with you as well especially when you uh peruse the internet uh, going back to the book itself as well obviously it came out and it had a huge reaction because obviously it tied into a certain situation that I imagine you never saw coming in, in regards to, to JBL. Now you're kind of a few weeks removed from that and the situation has kind of calmed down. Uh, so what's your kind of reaction to that now in hindsight? Um, you know, I'm still the same as I was when that was going on. People would, we would do interviews and it would start with JBL. Like, what are your thoughts on JBL? And I would always say, like, I don't know Moro. I, I've never met Moro. I've never talked to Moro. So I don't know anything about him or his situation. Um, the stuff with JBL that has come up from my book, I mean, he blocked me on Twitter. And it's like, I didn't go after him. I, I didn't go after him and say, hey, you're a jerk. You know, I, I didn't go after him. I tell my story in the book. I, mm. I talk about what I went through at WWE, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, Starting out in the Indies, worked my way up, and you know, in 2003, 2002, 2003, uh, this is what I went through on SmackDown, and this is what JBL did, and you know, in 2006, we did this, in 2007, and I talk about everything, and it just happens to be when they're looking for something that talks about JBL's past, which there's a lot of stuff about his past, my book is just one of those things where it gives mm. stories about actual events that actually happened, so uh, people ran with that. And, um, you know, it was fascinating to them, even though it was 14 years old, <laughs> it was new to them. And, uh, you know, now that I, I think that has blown over, um, you know, I, 
it's just something that happened 14 years ago that got brought up now. And when people were asking me, like, if I think that he should get fired, I said, no, it's I don't know exactly what happened. But as far as with my situation, like it was from a long time ago. And I said, the bottom line is there's upper management that encourages that type of thing. And just a, on a daily behavior, I mean, fans get bullied. I talk about sign guy in my book, the guy who makes yeah. sign doesn't bother anybody, but they'll see him at TV and they'll move him to the hard camera section just because. And it's like they're bullying him. So it's like bullying isn't just and – it, and it's not harmless ribbing that I talk about. Like there's harmless ribbing. But then the stuff that I went through in 2003, like that was that was bullying. No mm. doubt about it. Um, but there's stuff that like talent relations bullies talent. Uh, Vince likes to bully guys uh, on commentary, you know, like feed the commentators lines to, to bully people. Like there's other bullying that goes on and – that's what I talked about. And I always hope that by bringing it to light, maybe it would change things. And, you know, look at everything that happened with JBL. He came on TV as a totally different person. So hopefully yeah. by bringing all this into the light, um, hopefully it makes a difference. And I said all along, I was never going after the company. I just wanted to tell my story and in doing so, hoping that it brought a positive change for the people who are there now and the people who will be there in the future, just to make it a better place. Mm, absolutely i think that's it's interesting you say that too because when i did read that in the book i had an incredibly amount of sympathy and empathy for you simply because you know any anyone that ever sort of falls in love with pro wrestling wants to make it to wwe and i can imagine it must be really hard to you know put the effort and time in and make it there and then the environment becomes a bit a bit sour like i think a lot of people would have walked away and i think it's quite incredible that you didn't to be it honest. was uh, it was a scary place and, and i'm not afraid to say that and i remember hearing like booker t cover it on something and talk about bullying and how when you're an adult you just you know you go to the person you stand up to them and, and uh you know you but when you're 22 years old and you work hard to get there and you gave everything you got for so many years to get there yeah you don't think that way. You're not going to confront somebody and say, you know, you're not going to confront them and, and whatever and stand up to them because you're thinking, well, if I do that, I'll probably end up losing my job. So mm. I'm just not going to say anything and go with it and take it. And you, the thought was you keep taking it. Eventually, it's just going to stop. And uh, it just didn't stop for a long time. No, I mean, I, I think that's something, you know, as fans, you, you hear rumors and, and speculation, but to sort of get an account of it in the detail that you did, I think, well, I know for me especially, it really, it really took me back. And I kind of almost had like an out-of-body experience where I was like, if I had made it there, I'm not sure I could have put up with that. It just sounded horrific. Right. It was. It really was. Yeah, but then, like, like I said, things changed um, as far as that sort of behavior. And uh, things got a lot better in that way. But there's still upper management, and that's the mentality there. And... Um, it's why it's nice to be away. <laughs> yeah. I'm very happy with everything I did. I had an awesome run. I'm, I'm proud of everything I got to do and uh, who I got to work with and shows I got to do and where I got to go. But uh, it's like, I don't have to, to put up with that anymore. And, and that's really the best part. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, this, you know, this is a great and into inspiring story. And what are your plans now as well? Obviously, the book is out. It's, again, it comes out in the UK today. You get it from Amazon and all good and all good bookstores. But, you know, what are your plans now? What are you involved in? You know, Does it come out today? 
Oh, well, it comes out on Wednesday when this podcast airs. Yes, okay, it, awesome. it is. You can awesome. get it now, right now on Amazon.co.uk. It's right there. Uh, best somebody, seat in the house by Justin Roman. That's so cool because somebody had told me a while back that it was delayed, and I called the publisher and the distributor and said, "Why is it delayed in the UK? Why? Why can't it come out on time?" And, um, I, I never got a straight answer, but <laughs> it said it took time. So, um, I've been trying to follow up on that because I. I want it to be out out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it, uh, it, it said June, of, uh, like two days ago, and then all of a sudden updated yesterday and said, oh, no, it's coming that. out of May. Somebody told me about June, and I immediately contacted and said, June? Come on. <laughs> What's the deal? It's bad enough that it was May. Well, so it worked. It worked. today. Awesome. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so, so what's, what do you do now? The book is out, obviously, you know, out worldwide in America, UK. I know you've got a lot of hosting gigs, but, I mean, what, what else is in your future? Um, just as things pop up that sound fun and sound different, I've been doing them. I've done some TV shows, some voiceovers, some uh, ring announcing for boxing on CBS Sports, working with Jim Ross on that, Al Bernstein from Showtime Boxing. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if that reaches the UK. Um, Sean Wheelock, Joey Varner, uh, just a, a random mix of wrestling, boxing, and MMA guys doing a boxing show, and it, it really makes for an entertaining show. So I announced for them, um, and then I'm going out on tour with Tool a week from today. Amazing. And, um, <laughs> that's going to be my third tour with them, and uh, I'll be doing some signings while I'm on the tour. So uh, it's going to keep me busy for a while. That's excellent. Are, do you like Tool? Is that your kind of music? Uh, you know what? I became a huge fan um, later on in the game, but as soon as I started listening to them, I thought, wow, this is really good and really different music yeah and, uh, and i love it now I, I it's the one group that i could really listen to like if i decide to drive to california for six hours i will put tool on and i can listen <laughs> to that for all six hours without having to switch it up well, that's fantastic i love tool they're a great band <laughs> so that's really good awesome. to hear. Uh, do you have any plans to come over to the uk and do any signings or even a live show i, I, would love very... I, I really would I, I didn't even let you finish there uh, that's okay I love to because i love going out there the the fans just are so passionate and i mean they're they're passionate everywhere but there's something about the uk and uh they love the wrestling and um i always love going out there and being in front of those crowds and uh i always said if the book does well in the uk you know if, if people like it then i would definitely love to go out there and do whatever i can do absolutely well i'm sure it will do i know there's a lot of buzz over here for it as well much as there has been in the states uh, before we let, before we let you go just one question if anyone's listening to this and you know that they've realized they want to follow the same path of you and, and you go be an announcer in the wwe what advice would you give to them don't let anything in my book that i went through discourage you from going for it follow your dreams anything everything is possible uh, if that's what you want you have to go for it and hopefully when you get there everything will be peachy everything will be <laughs> positive and you'll have a great experience so follow your dreams I'm, like I, said, I think that's why it's so inspiring as well like you know it's always it always feels like a pipe a pipe dream when somebody wants to kind of follow what their heart desires but i think to get there is always just an incredible story so hopefully yours translates to people as well i hope so i hope it encourages other people to really go for it. people say i don't have a chance i don't know how to do it uh, people always ask me, what advice can you give me? I want to do this. Read the book. If you read the book, you'll see all the little things that I do in different avenues. And you could learn how to apply that to what you want to go for. And uh, there's definitely a bunch of pages that you can take out of my book and uh, and hopefully make it. 
Absolutely. Well, Justin, thank you so much for your time. Best Seat in the House is out now in the UK. You get it from Amazon. Make sure you check out the website, justinrobertsbook.com. It's got all the information on there for the e-book. The audio book should be out. Hopefully, by the time this airs, the audio book will be out. Oh, fantastic. I hope. I did the the voiceover for it, and I don't know why it didn't go up April 1st, but hopefully it'll be up soon. We keep an eye out for that. Where can people find you on social media if they want to follow your career, too? At Justin Roberts for Twitter and Instagram. I uh, uploaded a bunch of videos using hashtag that path on Instagram. And you could basically see me uh, as a kid with a microphone in my hand going up to the indies and working with guys like CM Punk and The Miz on the indies. And then uh, the main event uh, of WrestleMania. Um, Those videos are all on Instagram. You could also check out uh, The Justin Roberts on Facebook. Excellent. Well, Justin, honestly, thank you so much for your time. And again, I read the book you, and I thought, I thought it was great. So thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I appreciate you reading it. Can't thank Justin enough for his time. It was, it was great to chat to. You know, incredibly candid, incredibly open. And like I say, his book, Best Seat in the House, which I genuinely do recommend. I mean, I know you could say, well, obviously, Simon, you had him on his podcast. But I read it before I managed, to, I managed to, to get in touch with Justin and get him on. It's a fascinating read. It gives you an incredible perspective you know, on the world of WWE. And obviously, there, there is all that stuff about oh, the, the backstage uh, incidences that, again, he just talked about there and, and did, do the, did do the rounds online. But yeah, thank you so much for Justin. Again, highly recommend the book. And uh, like I said, we've got a few cool interviews lined up for the future. So we'll keep looking at that. Now, unfortunately, today as I'm recording, this is one of those days where I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's too much to do and time is whooping my ass. So it is going to be a shorter one than usual this week. But I thought I'd rather get one out then not get one out at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. But of course, it's backlash this Sunday, so we can't we, we can't end this podcast before we've gone through the we've gone through the backlash card, which I forgot to get up, which I'm doing now, <laughs> podcasting, and do our predictions. You know, that's that's essential podcasting fodder, as we all know. Uh, just briefly, I thought Raw and SmackDown were fine. Raw felt like um, a show in flux. Because if you didn't hear, Braun Strowman injured his elbow. He had surgery. Now, WWE is saying he's going to be out for six months. Apparently, that's not true. Apparently, he's going to be out more sort of four to, four to six weeks. But I like that. I like the fact WWE have taken an injury and they're tying it into kayfabe. You know, I, I, think that's, I think that's good because when he does come back before the six-month period now, you can use that. And I think one of the things that all of pro wrestling doesn't do enough is try and work reality into their storylines. Because when something feels real, it's easier to buy in and it's easier to care about. So it's a shame. Obviously, Braun Strowman was the focus of the show. He was gearing up for a big match with Brock Lesnar. It just seems to happen in modern day WWE. It was the same for Finn Balor when Seth Rollins was champ. It happened to him too. But I think the key is if he can get back in time and obviously come back healthy and we can build to the, um, the aforementioned match with Brock Lesnar, maybe at SummerSlam as opposed to Great Balls of Fire, it does look to me as if, going off Raw anyway, that they're going to look into doing Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar at some uh, Great Balls of Fire, which I'm well up for. And I think they'll probably push the whole size thing because, man, on Raw, do they want us to know that Finn Balor wasn't a big guy? Thanks for letting me know, WWE. I appreciate that. Thanks for just ramming that down my throat. And I think that may have been the plan for SummerSlam anyway, so what they've done is switch them. And that's fine. Uh, it's just a shame that Braun Strowman isn't on the show because I thought he was... Well, he was. He was one of the most entertaining things on it. My, my big intrigue is still what happens to Roman Reigns. I don't know who Roman Reigns spins off with at the moment. I presume on Raw they did a big number one... Uh, uh, so they announced the number one contender match for Backlash. Uh, not Backlash, sorry, that's SmackDown. Uh, Extreme Rules, which is Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins versus somebody else. Oh, this is so bad. 
Why can I not remember who the other person is? Does that say something about me? Or does that say something about the other person? Was it Roman Reigns? You're all screaming it now. Bray Wyatt. Finn Balor. Samoa Joe. Simon, you terrible person. The best person on the card. So I think something happens there. I mean, obviously, Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins will probably continue on their feud. And obviously, Finn Balor was going to feud with Bray Wyatt. But if you now have to change plans and move Finn against Brock, do you do Reigns versus Bray again? Do we want to see that? I'm not sure that I do. It'll be interesting, though. So yeah, number one contender match at Extreme Rules. They go on to fight Brock Lesnar. My money would be on Balor. And we had SmackDown too. SmackDown was fine. Again, for a go-home show for Backlash, it kind of ticked all the boxes. I mean, why we had to have Jinder Mahal beat AJ Styles, I don't know. I mean, Kevin Owens smacked him in the knee with the, the US Championship. So it's not like Styles lost clean or anything. But And I get you want to you wanna promote the SmackDown title as the most important title on the show, as you probably should. But why that means... I would say jobbing out, but why AJ, AJ Styles doesn't need to, I mean, it's, I don't know, AJ Styles can't really win at the weekend, because then Kevin Owens becomes this guy that loses all the time and doesn't have, it'd be a three-time US champion when he wins it back in the space of like a day. I don't know why you had to have AJ Styles lose seven days before a pay, well, five days before a pay-per-view match. What, right, let's just go, we'll, we'll segue, I mean, you had stuff with the, the ladies and, the ladies, the women, Dolph Ziggler did quite a funny thing where he showed a package of Nakamura saying he had, you know, here's, here's all his highlights and there was no footage. I found it quite funny. I mean, it's ridiculous because clearly everyone knows Nakamura's got a highlight reel like nobody else. But it tied into the story of, of Dolph Ziggler saying that, who is this guy? But we'll start with Jinder Mahal. Obviously, he's with the Singh brothers now. It's going against Randy Orton at the pay-per-view. A lot of people seem to think he's going to win. I don't know what the right thing to do here. I wouldn't say that Randy Orton as SmackDown champion is anything to write home about. It's not exactly the greatest title run of all time. He's not lighting up ratings. He's not having amazing matches. His Bray Wyatt feud wasn't too good. But if we put that title on Jinder Mahal, you know, they always say the man makes the title, the title doesn't make a man. And I think Jinder Mahal has the potential and the chops to be a good world champion. I just don't think he's been built up enough. And if he does win, it's going to feel so hot-shotted and so out of nowhere that I don't know if that helps anybody. But at the same time, if he doesn't beat Randy Orton... Does he just fall back down into the mid card? And that was that, or even the lower card. And all of this was a big waste of time. So I don't know what you do here. Do you, you know, I think Money in the Bank is the SmackDown pay-per-view after this. Do you eke out to that? It's a strange, it's a strange, strange match. Obviously, they've kind of kept Jinder strong, but all the matches he's won over the last few weeks have been through screw jobs and non-finishes. I would say that Randy Orton wins. Or Jinder Mahal wins, but through dodgy means, so the title doesn't change hands. But it's a strange match. I'll be intrigued to see where it goes on the card as well. It may not even go on last. I can see Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles going on last because they will have the match of the night. And if WWE are smart and think you know, no one can follow this, but then that just screws up what title we're trying to get over here. Really strange card, this. Really going to be really interesting. I'll go with Randy Orton. If you're out there thinking it could be Jinder Mahal, I appreciate that, respect it. Got nothing against it. Aside from the fact, I think if that was your plan, maybe you could have held the trigger off with it a little bit and just made him feel a bit like a bigger deal. But we'll see. The good thing about it is that I don't know, and I'm intrigued by it. And that's the best. That's when pro wrestling is at its best. Even if you are, are intrigued at it from more of a, it's not really an in-ring point of view. It's more about what is WWE's mentality right now. That still works. You know, that still that still gets my brain thinking, and that is a way to enjoy wrestling in 2017. There's no two ways about it. If you want to enjoy it from a business point of view. You can, and I think that's a plus. I think the more ways you can enjoy wrestling, the better. It doesn't mean you have to. You don't have to go and read dirt sheets or listen to podcasts like this. But if you do, 
it's a discussion we can have. It's a debate we can have. That's why I don't really mind. That's why usually I take wrestling with a pinch of salt. Because no matter what happens, there'll be a talking point. If Randy Orton does win clean, you can be like, well, what was the point of, you know, a six-week push for Jinder Mahal when the rumor was they wanted to, you know, tap into this Indian market? I mean, that's, you can't do anything in six weeks. And then if Jinder Mahal wins, there's the, the counterpoint to that, which is, well, should they have built him up more? What do you do with Randy Orton now? What kind of feud did Jinder go into? Does he lose the belt straight back to Orton in the next pay-per-view? It'd be interesting. We'll go Randy Orton. I'm not 100% sure at all. You usually have a good gut feeling for things like this, or at least I like to think I do. So yeah, we'll go, we'll go Randy Orton. There's also a pre-show match between Ty Dillinger and Aiden English. I like Aiden English. I'm sorry, you've got no chance of winning that because Ty Dillinger does seem to be their focus at the moment. And then you've got the, uh, the six-way six match with a six-woman tag team match, which is Naomi Charlotte and Becky versus the welcoming committee. I do think it's a shame we couldn't have split this off into a four-way match and had a singles match for the women's title as well, because I think to keep the women's title feeling important, which it should do, it should be defended on most pay-per-views. Not everyone, and you could argue this is a good one not to do it, but I just think after the superstar shake-up, it would have been nice to have that defended here. I think it's fine. I can imagine Charlotte may go back to being a heel here. It doesn't seem like they're that keen on her face run. So we'll go with the welcoming committee winning after Charlotte does some shenanigans. And also, the faces don't need to win this. Obviously, Naomi's got the title as, and this is just the way WWE books things sometimes. You know, she doesn't need to come out of this strong. You could even start a program from that. You know, maybe Charlotte attacks Naomi, and that's how the welcoming committee win, and we continue on with the Charlotte-Naomi the Naomi feud. And also, whoever pins Naomi, if that doesn't happen, be it Natalia Carmella or Tamina, they could then spin off into a world championship program with Naomi. So there is a lot you can do here. It's fine. I don't think it's going to be anything special, but at least at least the women are on, you know, on the card in a proper match. That's the most important thing. Uh, we've got the Usos versus Breezango for the Tag Team Championships. I love Breezango. They're so entertaining. They're so funny. And they've been given so much crap over the years. And yet they've always turned it to gold. So as much as I like the Usos, and I really do, I think the Usos are underrated to say the least. If you've ever watched them on Total Divas, you know how fun they are. But with that said, I mean, it's not going to happen. I don't think Breezango is going to win just because this is a holding feud until the New Day arrive. And that's fine because I do want to see the New Day versus the Usos. I think you can get some good promos out of that. I think they have a good rapport with each other. But I really hope this isn't just a one and done for Breezango. Tyler Breeze and Fandango are really talented people. I think they've shown that not only here, but on Ebit NXT or on Southpaw Regional Wrestling. They're not throwaway jobbers to make up the numbers. You don't have to make the main eventers, but you can certainly do more with them. So I really, really hope they come out of this strong, go into a better program and keep... I don't think they will. I think they'll be kicked right back to main event or whatever B shows are now running on WWE. So the Usos win, but that's fine. The potential for a good SmackDown tag division is there once the New Day arrive. They just... It's a shame the Usos beat... Uh, sorry, Breezango beat uh, the Colognes on SmackDown, which is a shame because I actually thought you could have built them up too. At least they're not that stupid, uh, what are they called? The Puerto Rico people, the Shining Stars, and it's not them anymore. But I do think this will be a good match. I think they're all very good workers, and I imagine the New Day debut next week. We'll re-debut on SmackDown next week, and then we go on with there. Obviously, I think Kofi Kingston is more or less all right now. Probably can't get in the ring. And has it had a countdown on those adverts, actually? Maybe there is actually a countdown. Obviously, it's got a countdown on it. Talking about people not turning up on SmackDown, Rusev, who was announced to come and you know, make Shane McMahon answer his calls, was not on the show. Now, he did a Twitter post saying it had something to do with the, I think it was the NHL playoffs, maybe it was the NBA playoffs, I can't remember, I only saw it briefly. Actually, I think it is the NBA, they're on right now, yeah. But that's bad. I really wanted to see Rusev, and he doesn't even turn up. And that's not on him. Clearly, a decision was made to keep him off TV, but I cannot stand it when WWE says, oh, he's coming, he's coming, and then he doesn't come. Especially Rusev. Rusev right now needs to start being elevated into a much better position 
than he has been because he's so talented. You know, I did a video for What Culture saying this. He deserves a monster push, and I mean it. He's one of my favorite people on the roster. I think he can go for years, you know, in that top main event heel role. I don't understand what the problem is. Okay, he cut his hair, which in WWE can, you know, come back to haunt you a little bit. Because I get it. I get that as well. Because obviously, you've got merchandise and they've got action figures. And if you don't tell them, they're like, dude, we now have to, you know, we have to redo all of this. But come on, use him for what he's worth. And he's worth a lot. I think so anyway. Uh, which brings us to Cameron Owens versus AJ Styles. I do think this will be the match of the night. I don't really mind who wins this in terms of I love them both. However, with that said, I don't think you can take the title off Kevin Owens at this point. He only just, you know, he just hot potatoed it with Jericho. If you take it off again, him again now, his whole Face of America gimmick feels a bit weak and a bit lackluster. But I don't want AJ Styles to come out on the losing end. This is one of those matches where I'm actually okay for there to be some kind of shenanigans because AJ Styles... Is fantastic, and you don't want you know he has so much potential for for feuds going forward. You don't want to just job him out. Now you want to make sure you keep him strong, but at the same time, that's what you want to do for Kevin Owens. So it's one of those amazing matches where I'm glad it's happening because I know I'm going to enjoy it. I could have this feud for years and be all right with it, but right now I think both of them need to come out the other end feeling, yeah, feeling a bit like a, like a. I mean, you can't you know what? I take that back. You can have Kevin Owens win clean. If they have a really competitive back and forth match and the commentators do their job of making sure that they sell Kevin Owens as this badass and then AJ Styles has good plans for him in the future to make sure he builds him back up, I take it back. Let there be a clean win. There's nothing wrong with clean wins. That's me being silly. So I take that back. I think it'd be a fantastic match. I want Kevin Owens to retain, so I'm going to go with Kevin Owens. I'd be a bit upset because if he does lose just because, like I say, I don't think that benefits... Kevin Owens going forward. I think he deserves a win here. But if not, you know, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens, you can't lose. Sami Zayn versus Baron Corbin. I'm really sorry, Sami. I did make a mistake on ups and downs on what culture this week as well. I thought Sami Zayn was still on Raw. It happens. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. No way is Sami Zayn winning that. They've got big plans for Baron Corbin this year. It may even be a bit of a squash, but we'll see. Luke Harper versus Eric Roman is fine. As long as Luke Harper wins, obviously he lost recently after he got poked in the eye. Luke Harper has such a big upside. He's so good. So I hope he comes out on top there. And maybe we main event with Shinsuke Nakamura versus Dolph Ziggler. All the marketing's been around Nakamura. You've got a superstar in the making there. I mean, Dolph Ziggler cannot win that match. He just can't. Because at, the, at this point, WWE are never really going to do anything else with Dolph Ziggler. Whereas Nakamura, I truly believe, even though in his late 30s, have a potential main, you know, WrestleMania main event guy there because he's got that magic something you just can't put your finger on. doesn't matter that he doesn't speak you know, perfect English or that he's not British or American. American, I should say. Who cares? That is, is, is an out, that's a quite an acquainted way to think about things, antiquated think, way to think about things. Doesn't mean he needs to steamroll him. They can have a competitive Nakamura match to introduce him to the main roster audience, but he's got to win. Nak- and he will win. I'm, pu- I'm putting my eggs there. Make sure you do go to the Facebook group. Look for the official thread regarding um, the, uh, the, the predictions. Make sure you leave yours below, and we'll see how we all get on. But most importantly, make sure you do enjoy Backlash. Sorry, I've got to cut it a bit short today. But like I say, crazy day with loads to do, but I wanted to get a podcast out there as opposed to in the past when I wouldn't have done. So we've grown, we've evolved. Please do keep uh, refreshing your iTunes feed or whichever app you use for podcasts for the week in gaming. Like I say, it's just it's, it's not as long as this. It's only going to be 30 to 40 minutes each week, and we just look at the gaming news, and 
we, we have a unique take on it. I think if you're familiar with any of my other work, you'll soon understand what we're trying to do here. And hopefully you enjoy it, but all feedback is always welcome. Any kind of support at patreon.com forward slash Simula316 would be great. It helps so much with everything I'm trying to put back into to all my stuff. So thank you there. Please, please, please do rate and review on iTunes. Like we saw such a good uplift last week and it got me excited. And I love that. I love it when it feels like this thing is growing because I'm very, very passionate about it. More interviews to come. Join the Facebook group. Find me on Twitter at Simula316. Watch my YouTube nonsense at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash the middle report rules. And remember, if you enjoyed the chat with Justin Roberts, go to Amazon. Go to any of your bookstores that you like. Get best seat in the house by him. I promise you. I'm not just saying this. Not I'm just shilling. It's not an advert. I didn't, you know, no, at no point did anyone on Justin's team said you must promote the book. I genuinely read it, and I genuinely thought it was a fantastic read. Definitely one of the better wrestling books I've read, and I've read a lot. I've read a lot. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me into your lives. Oh, the other thing I should say is, if you are a five dollar plus patron. The latest uh, pro wrestling podcast special, the special, the one off that you get with the, uh, excuse me, we did the death of WCW last year. And this time I'm going to do a chat about ECW. So I got a very unique take on it. May not be the one that is necessarily popular, but I never really got into ECW. We're going to talk about that on the exclusive Patreon podcast, which will drop within the next seven days. We'll be back next Wednesday. I'll speak to you soon.